Welcome to the Canacurio Podcast, powered by Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Ed Keating. On today's show, we're joined by Michael Piermont, president of Leaf Trade. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to yeah. be here. Well, a lot has happened since we chatted last summer, so uh, I'm glad you're able to come back and uh, we could get uh, caught up. Before we get into you know the last 10 months or so, I was hoping that you could still Tell us a little bit about your background for people who maybe didn't catch uh, our, our last interview. Um, and, you know, tell us, uh, you know, how, how you landed at Leaf Trade. Yeah. Um, so I've always um, kind of navigated towards early growth stage companies, uh, always kind of in niche or high growth areas. So health and fitness, insurance, um, started a company that did a lot of back office solutions for small gyms trainers. That's where I really kind of got my forte into payments, right? And um, allowing, you know, maybe folks who aren't sitting um, at a desk or a traditional uh, work cycle to use payments, which, you know, that experience has helped me a lot in cannabis. And, uh, you know, after exiting a few companies, I, you know, had always watched uh, regulated cannabis. Um, I knew there were going to be a lot of, you know, B2B components, a lot of regulated B2B components that, mm -hmm. you know, I had experience in. And, you know, luckily for me, I live in Illinois and in 2014-15, the uh, early medical program started coming together. Um, and, you know, uh, me and my, my partner, James, um, you know, started talking to the early folks in the market um, who we all know as, you know, the Veranos and the GT, GTIs and Ascends right. and uh, Grassroots. But, you know, back then they were really uh, single state operators, maybe dual state operators. Um, and so we really, really just listened. And we really believed that these folks were in a position both because of the way that the Illinois market was structured and because of the way that they were looking at things into other markets, Maryland and PA and Ohio, that we thought that really early on, this was going to be uh, the path for, you know, large cannabis companies to grow. And we thought that the market would really adopt this. So we listened to what our early customers said. And before, you know, we knew it, we were uh, diving in and uh, haven't left since. Wow. Well, it's so interesting going from, fitness insurance all the way to cannabis and running a giant marketplace. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, that, that, that's a, that's a great pathway and, uh, and really fascinating. Could you tell everybody also a little bit more about what leaf trade does just so that, you know, we have a good level set here. Yeah. So, uh, leaf trade really helps to organize, um, not only all of the inventory on the wholesale side, but really organize the process both internally and externally. Mm -hmm. So it allows, dispensaries to see real-time inventory, but all the data uh, that goes with the inventory, the lab results, the invoice, the packing, all the compliance uh, steps that are needed to fulfill that order. And then, you know, depending whether the state is, you know, kind of a new medical state where um, inventory is, you know, kind of on the lower side, or if it's a traditional legacy market, the back end of Leaf Trade helps the sellers organize that. Um, and really sell, you know, not only to external folks, but a lot of our customers are using this to balance out inventory to their own stores. So really, 
B2B procurement platform all the way through all the back office stuff, including uh, payment and, you know, the collection of payment. Interesting. Interesting. Now, it's just a question that occurred to me that, you know, we've seen a lot of companies in this space on the information side that come in and uh, try and scrape a lot of these store menus and provide intelligent and insight, sort of like, you know, stockouts and whatnot. I mean, are, are, are those are those services accurate? I, I think they're there to empower salespeople to go in and say, hey, Michael, you need to buy more of this because we can tell that you're out. Like, is, is that a real phenomenon in, 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 in the cannabis space now? Um, some of them are accurate. Some of them are accurate at times, right? And yeah. what I would say is without getting into specific companies, if you rely on another company or another source for your information or data, sometimes it's correct and sometimes it's not. Sometimes the connection in between the two, um, in, 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 into the two products might not be accurate or, you know. So I think there are a few folks who are able to scrape live menus and take that information uh, back to some, to some customers, but it's hard. Um, we actually do that a little bit because we know when people are buying, right, from a wholesale. Yes. And right. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't buy if you had inventory or you were, you know, not running low. Um, and that is actually the genesis of kind of what we're doing now and, you know, some of the, the moves we've been making. Oh, good, good. Well, thanks for letting me digress into that because, you know, we, we've seen some of this going on and I'm in agreement, especially if somebody's using your platform, they wouldn't really need another platform to tell them what they have or don't have. So uh, why make it more complex? But you know some of the some of the big news is is recently you merged with Swede and curious to hear what brought that about. It's a big story. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we just sat there listening to our customers, um, and you know we've been really really focused on the wholesale side. We've been really really focused on just uh, nailing that, making sure the inventory is organized in real time, and we've been hearing you know, some consistent problems that it's hard to get the inventory into point of sale systems once it arrives um, at the dispensary. There's a lot of manual processes that take time and there are bud tenders and managers that don't have that time, right? And then we also um, hear that it's, like we talked about before, it's really hard to get an accurate assessment of what's at their store and when they should order. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's an inventory component, then someone's buying and they have to go round and round and buy from all these different folks. Whereas now we can connect the point of sale loyalty e-com all the way back to leaf trade. So if, you know, Verano in their store is out of um, a certain level of inventory or their inventory goes down, that can call back to leaf trade and create an order for themselves or for someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so getting, getting real-time data, but more importantly, actionable data where, you know, boom, click, order, done, next, as opposed to like, you know, create this data set, send it to the, you know, wholesale team or the inventory team, then go, you know, and look for inventory and create orders. So this is helpful for me understanding the process. So I appreciate the education part of it. Is one of the things that you have done then is, bridge the information gap from wholesale to retail, which I'm assuming may also have some compliance benefits too. Like, you know where everything is and it's a single chain of custody instead of like 
yep. let's get Bob in the warehouse to stitch it together. I mean, is that how it comes together? Exactly. Right. It's the same product. It starts at leaf trade. It starts really even before that in BioTracker metric, right? Comes over to leaf trade, right? And we're just continuing down the path. But instead of, you know, dropping the, the box off at a river and walking away, you know, we're putting it safely in the boat and, you know, handing it off to, to Swede and, and then they can hand that inventory off to the customers, whether that's in the form of e-com, you know, with loyalty attached to it, or they go in store and uh, buy something, right? So we're just, we want to make sure that information, the lab data, all the components behind cannabis um, are, you know, accurate because I always use this analogy. When you go to 7-Eleven, you know, every, every Pepsi, every Coke is the same, right? And when you, when you pull out the, the cannabis batches, they all, they're all are different or could be different or have, you know, different THC levels and people sell differently on that. Right. Um, so it's really important that every batch is accurate and has a full data set all the way through the supply chain. Got it. Got it. So, um, in, in the work that we've done at Cannabis Media, we've looked a lot into the point of sale space and, and the software stack. And the last time we did our big, uh, point of sale report. Uh, the number was about 79 unique point of sale vendors or brands in the United States. Mm -hmm. So obviously you, you chose Swede and I'm wondering if you could give us just a little bit more background on that company and, and sort of you know, what they do and, and why they were so attractive. Yeah. So we've looked at a bunch of them. Um, you know, 79 is a big number. We didn't look at that many. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Swede is a very, very similar path as leaf trade they really, really focused on the enterprise customer first. Um, while we, you know, had some really good early customers who helped us with the product and were great adopters, they did as well. Uh, so Terrasen was one of their really early customers. And one of the big differentiators with Swede um, is it's an all-in-one solution, right? So you have the inventory that is very well organized in Swede and then they push out to an e-com uh, platform that's their own, right? Mm -hmm. And Swede stays behind the scenes, so it's not a marketplace, right? So Cureleaf can put Swede directly on their website and you don't see other stores, right? You go right to, to their site. The other um, all-in-one feature that's really nice is the loyalty um, aspect of it, right? So, so now as you're bringing... Um, your stores together regionally, nationally, you can have one loyalty program that can stretch across the company, uh, country, mm -hmm. right? Right now, um, people are doing it very, very regional. You know, you may have a loyalty program for Illinois, but that might not transfer um, to Arizona, right? And so the consumer who shops every day at that uh, dispensary by their house, they don't even know that there's another dispensary in another state. Right. And, you know, that's that's a huge, huge component. The other aspect of that is compliance. Right. There are some states that look at loyalty or marketing programs differently. True. Right. And so because you use one platform. Right. And as this is nothing new. Vendor consolidation is has been around. Um, it gives them more operational leverage to build everything correctly, build the right loyalty across the country, build the right marketing set, the right e-com process and really what I think is kind of the next iteration of cannabis is, you know, having these processes centralized, um, especially for the larger companies, 
right? Yeah. So, so they can, you know, scale. You can't scale with 35 different processes and 25 different tech products that, you know, all do different things. It, it becomes really, really hard to manage. And we forget a lot of the, you know, medium to large cannabis companies got there by acquiring other companies, right? In different markets with different tech. And so, you know, I've been really impressed about how fast folks have been moving to consolidate, um, to streamline operations because they have to, right? There's no margin left. Prices are going down. So the only way to, you know, make the same money or more is to really, really, you know, lean into efficiencies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the operational efficiency is key. And, you know, what you're talking about in terms of having sort of a, a single system is a presentation that somebody in the past industry talked about where they interviewed their customers and they'd ask this great question that, that I've you know kept hold of for many years, which is what were you using the 10 minutes before you use my product and the 10 minutes after? And, you know, they started to build that out. And it sort of seems like with what you guys have done too, it's like, well, people have this need too. And how do we do it? And at the end of the Absolutely. day, they came up with this great metric, which is not share of wallet, but how much of your share of day do I own? And I love that because yep. it's just so such a thoughtful way of thinking of, you know, how your customers are having to make choices. And if they're mm -hmm. hopping between lots of software installs uh, or, or, or pieces of software, that's not terribly efficient. And, you know, they're not going to meet those numbers that you were just talking about. It's also tough for the customer, you know, maintaining logins to an e-com platform and then your local store Right. And maybe even, you know, some brand, um, some brands have you in, you know, some, some loyalty programs and it just becomes tough. Right. And, um, there's no secret, you know, Nike sells shoes on Amazon, but they sell more shoes on Nike.com and they sell them for more. And that's where they want you to go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, as you were, uh, uh, working with Swede, you know, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, a couple of their customers. Was was there much customer overlap between the two of you? Because I know when I've gone through mergers, you know, that's one of the things you look at and it may have been a driver or might not have mattered at all, but I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, there there's some. Um, a lot of our dispensaries who don't pay for Leaf Trade but use it to acquire products and purchase um, as a full procurement platform, of course, are, are starting to migrate or have migrated to Swede. Um, and then there are a lot of customers who are in the process of migrating to Swede um, that we've got to, you know, our customers that we've talked to during the merger. Yeah. Um, so that's what's nice uh, for us is not only is their focus enterprise, which has always been our focus, um, but they're kind of you know, ahead of the game as, as far as already starting to migrate some of our current customers where we can dump, jump right in and, you know, kind of help them and connect the systems, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you touched on a couple of these, but maybe if you could sort of go through the list, like what are all the piece parts that you now offer somebody? Because, you know, we've talked about wholesale, we've talked about POS, I think you mentioned loyalty. Are there other elements too that, you know, yeah. are there like payment or, or other things too that really build out that stack? Yeah. So on the leaf trade side, you've got, uh, we have marketing services, um, where we actually do, you know, the heavy lifting, whether it's campaign creation. Um, also we maintain the list and, you know, all the analytics around these campaigns. There's, we do also have a payment service on leaf trade where we'll extract payment on the, the day that the, um, invoices do, 
right? For a very small fee without interest. Um, of course, analytics platform, like we talked about, understanding the inventory. On Swede, it's really full service retail, everything. So you've got e-com on the front end, there's um, loyalty, of course, point of sale, and then true pin debit that integrates uh, right into it. So full service, um, all four components, as well as, you know, the if there is B2C delivery, um, we allow the B2C delivery companies to hook right in uh, to the point of sale as well. So we can actually move the, the inventory to the delivery companies. And for your customers, in terms of how you offer that, that those are a lot of choices. I mean, that's quite a menu, if, you, if you'll excuse the pun there. Um, can people go a la carte? Because uh, I'm, I'm getting the impression that you're not a forced bundle, like take it all or leave it. So how do you do that? We're not a forced bundle, but there's been very few, maybe one or two who have not taken it all hmm. because really the, the bread and butter is most of the folks have tried one or two of the pieces and got stuck trying to connect to the other pieces. So the all-in-one aspect is, you know, clean data in, clean data out type of thing. Um, there are one or two who you know, wanted to keep both e-com situations going, right? They wanted to keep the Amazon and the Nike.com um, and that's okay for us. But all the other ones have, have really focused um, or at least brought in payment POS um, as well as loyalty and marketing. Got it. Got it. Now, switching gears a bit, I, I noticed in doing some research that, you know, you are on many of the metric state systems as being a, a featured vendor or, or, or an appropriate vendor. Um, so, you know, it makes me think of sort of the whole compliance angle, which is, you know, is this a big issue and how do you manage it? Now that, you, you know, you've got a merger of two companies, what is that like? Because, you know, my background's in compliance and the rule of thumb we had is, you know, once somebody tries to do business in usually three to four states, that's when a, a client will come to some service provider and say, yeah, uncle, I give up, help me out here. So uh, with the number of states you're talking, I imagine that's got to be an important um, uh, role that, 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 that you yeah. must play and have to deal with. You know, it's kind of like a, a doctor scrubbing in, you know, it's just kind of the world we live in. Um, because all on the leave trade side, because day one starts with the plug into the seat to sale, like before we can even launch a state, we focus on the compliance. How do we get into the seed to sale? Right. What you know, even though we may have an integration with metric in six states, the seventh state might do things you know differently. There might be an older version of BioTrack that's being used. Um, so really, before we even look to launch a state, that's what we're building. It's kind of that last mile uh, compliance piece, yeah. and because. Um, we allow folks to really lean into the compliance tools they have to use, the seed to sale tools that, you know, are state mandated. Once the inventory is in our system, it has to be set up compliantly because it came from the, you know, the seed to sale, right? And so that's, that's kind of the first um, focus always when launching a market. And it's just, that's our ballgame, right? Is yeah. we are the connector that allows, you know, medium to large companies run single processes, but still have that differentiator or that compliance tweak in each market. Sure, sure. Well, well speaking of markets and, and the medium to large companies, you know, helps me think through my next question, which is as cannabis media, and I'm sure as you have looked across the country, 
you know, we, we joke that, you know, every state is its own sovereign nation when it comes to compliance rules, regulations. I mean, it, it's just uh, mind boggling what people have to keep track of. So I'm curious, you know, how you and your team, especially in your role on the revenue side, see the market. Like, you know, we've got, we've got Oklahoma, which, you know, last count had like, you know, 2,000 to 2,400 stores, I think one store for every 70 people uh, versus Connecticut, where it's still where I live, where it's kind of a, a small set. Um, mm. you know, are, are, are there certain states that are attractive because of the regulatory structure versus ones that you shun because maybe not shun, but they're not the first place you're going to send your sales team to? That's actually basically our whole strategy. Focus on the limited license states. Yep. Um, and with Swede, it will, we'll start opening up a little more, right? Because if someone has 30 dispensaries in California, that's great. Um, but typically, Leaf Trade is really focused on, and we even call them our primary markets, is you know the highly regulated, newly emerging states, which typically are limited licenses, right? There are a few states that act more like limited license states, like Massachusetts, even though there's not technically a limit just because of how they issue licenses. Um, but, you know, the, the less licenses that are um, distributed early in the market, the better that we think that market has or, you know, better future that that market should, should um, lean into. Um, so that's kind of always been, you know, we've, we've shied away from Oklahoma, shied away from Oregon, um, California, really, on the leaf trade side, we've shied away from. Um, and, you know, the Nevadas and Arizonas, while on the West Coast, to us, uh, feel a little more like, you know, kind of the limited markets yep. that we're used to. I think as leaf trade starts expanding, uh, gets bigger, our customers get bigger, we will be in every state. Um, it's just a question of time and, and resources. And for us, you know, fundraising has always been a focus of where does the dollar go the, the longest yes. and, you know, raising money to get all of Illinois and all of PA and all of New Jersey and all of Connecticut, you know, is more important or was more important than getting a few folks in California. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, we've seen some competitors and some other people in the space raise a lot more money than us and then burn it in some of these non-regulated states. Well, an analogy on that one to me is, you know, companies like uh, Acreage and MedMen, where they went for the land grab and they were getting licenses yep. in marginal states where there were, you know, three patients or something on the state's role. And yeah, you, you planted your flag there, but at what cost? And it seemed to be yep. a pretty high cost. And then the market eventually punished them, I, I, I think, you know, pretty hard. I think, you know, Acreage may have come back, but, you know, MedMen, uh, you know, my shares are worth about two cents a piece now. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely some uh, some some challenges uh, there, but you know, also too with that approach, you know, you're following your customers. So if they exactly. are in a certain state, you may have to be in there, and you know, you'll you know follow them. But it doesn't mean that you have to service everybody in the state. So that that may right. make uh, make the sanity check uh, okay. Yeah, and for us, just like you said, you know, we may go to California and service a few customers but doesn't necessarily mean we will spend marketing dollars or move sales reps there. Right. And so um, for us, you know, we actually are live in California with a few customers in that exact situation. Yeah. Yeah. We do the same thing. There's some features we roll out where we go to certain people and yep. try it out first, make sure it makes sense before we, you know, push it out even further. Um, so, so staying on the marketing uh, sales front, 
you know, we always like to ask how, how, how does cannabis media help you achieve your goals? Because you've been a customer of ours for a while. And we always like to hear how people uh, are, are able to use us. Um, you know, even way back when in 2017 or 18, when we were a two or three person shop, that was it. All I had was cannabis media. And because our whole business relied on limited licensed states, it was so important that I could know exactly who had that license was it valid or not? You know, was it transferred? That was it. You know, there was no other, there's, there was no other way to do it. Um, and so for us, it's really important because we are not out there, you know, ro robo dialing and, and sending 50 emails because we're in such of these limited states. So we have to have the right data all the time um, in a kind of a limited scope. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're you know striving to continue to do that. You talked about limited markets. My team is working on the Alabama information that was just released. And I was looking through some of it, 950 page applications. It's sort yeah. of like Florida and New York in the old days. So, uh, but well, you know, we're pouring well, through it. To see, it's know, funny. They, did, they didn't get that many uh, responses. And then I did the same thing. I looked at the application. I was like, well, that, that's why it's 984 pages, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's bad because you'll get the real, real people who've thought this out and, you know, aren't trying to win the license to sell it. Right, right. Like uh, you know, the two that I, that I saw are actually my, my, my colleague went through them. True Leave is one of the ones that's in that list, as well as a, a hometown favorite here in Connecticut, Fine Fettle. You know, they go into yep. FFD. So those are the two that sort of jumped out at me. I haven't looked at all 90 yet, but uh uh, before the weekend's out, I, I, I probably will. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's good to hear. And, and, you know, we, we were also working to help people do exactly what you said through technology solutions to help them check whether a license is valid now. I mean, that's become a compliance piece of our business, not just a, a marketing one um, as well. So sort of looking at the, the business in the industry, you know, going a little bit broader out, what kind of challenges are you contending with now? I mean, the market's very different than when we were, you know, recording this 10 months ago or so. So what challenges are, are you seeing out there, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, listen, prices are going down and companies have less folks to navigate through tough times. Um, you've also got, just like you said, 10 months ago, 14 months ago, two years ago, things were better, right? There was, everyone was, you know, walking in, everything sold, um, people weren't fixing problems because there weren't as many problems or they didn't see the problems. So, you know, the challenges are still there and we have less people um, to deal with them or the companies have less people to deal with them. But what I've seen probably faster than I even thought were, you know, the consolidation of both tech and people. So you're seeing a lot of big companies kind of consolidate wholesale and retail right? Especially if they're vertically integrated, they don't have these huge wholesale teams and these huge retail teams with a big, uh, you know, wall in between. And now all of a sudden they're trying to figure out, Hey, you know, we're all working off the same inventory. How do we stretch it out? How do we get the best price? How do we get the best margin? So you're seeing the company come together internally. And even though I think cannabis does a really good job of folks working with each other's competitors, yeah. um, I think you're seeing it more, right? Especially in, in different regions and states. Um, but, you know, there is less money per unit and there are less people to do the jobs. So we shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't never forget that. And, 
I think cannabis and the industry in general will be better having gone through this early in our life cycle. Yeah. I mean, one of the observations that somebody shared that I read was, uh, I remember going to conferences in the fall of 2019 when we were going through a first sort of mini contraction where it was harder to get money and they're talking about operational excellence, med men and acreage and others were having trouble. And then we had, uh, COVID come through and everybody was home, more cannabis was consumed, it was essential business and there's a lot of government money that went into households. So it gave everybody like another year and it was almost like a false hope, like, oh, we're doing fine until we got back to the situation where now we had a war that started a year ago and you know suddenly it's much tougher for people to do it. So we are in this sort of operational excellence environment and not everybody's gonna make it through you know, through the end uh, of, of this uh, uh, economic bubble, which I'll get to in a minute. But I did want to touch on something that you mentioned, which is sort of the contraction in the technology space and, you know, the M&A. You, you guys have gone through a merger with a, another company. There's a lot of that happening right now. I mean, Akerna has left the industry. Dutchie had changes at the top of their organization. Uh, there are other companies that have been bought uh, or, or pieces of companies that are getting bought. Do you see more of this happening? Because obviously, if you just went through a whole um, you know, merger process, you probably got to see a lot of decks and books and whatnot. So uh, I imagine there's a lot of companies that are quietly for sale. Yeah, I mean, um, the day that we announced the closing, we had... I think 15 or 20 calls from representatives of companies um, or founders themselves or chief executive officers wanting to, you know, ask if they could be part of it, if there was room. Wow. Some of the companies are complimentary, right? Like it makes sense now. Um, some of the data companies you could put in between uh, Swede and Leaf Trade, but some of them are, you know, out of cash, right? Or, you know, may have some cash, but you know, their customers aren't using their service or consolidating or closing stores or closing markets. Um, you know, we're always opportunistic. So we look at everything um, and we've got, you know, one or two that, you know, we'll probably flush out in the next 10 to 12 months. Yep. Um, but for us, it's just really straight line, uh, focus on, you know, the enterprise solution focus on the multi-state operators, whether you have, you know, four grows in four states or 20 grows in 10 states or a hundred stores, the, you know, multiplicity, multiple markets, multiple stores add, you know, no pun intended, multiple, um, you know, issues, right? Yeah. And that's kind of always been the, the thesis of Leaf Trade and Swede, right? Is just be that enterprise solution because, I don't believe an out of the box solution really works, right? It always needs to be tailored and focused on the customer. And that's what enterprise tech is, right? It's, yeah. you know, you get, you get 80% there and then you've got to bend into kind of their internal stack. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've wisely focused where the money is, you know, enterprise type customers that have that multi-jurisdictional complexity. Those people also have a probably a good tendency to pay their bills and, and whatnot, as opposed to chasing around some of these, you know, let's say smaller operators in these smaller states that, you know, just really don't have the revenue to kind of support sophisticated solutions. So it's, it's good. It's good to have focus. Yeah, it's good. I will say though, um, I am also really impressed with 
I call them, you know, the medium sized customers, but, you know, maybe they don't get all the headlines of, you know, the Cureleaf for Verano's, um, GTIs, um, right. some really impressive brands like, you know, Gron or item nine where, you know, they've got the same problems, um, and they're dealing with them head on. And some of those folks will come out, you know, really, really strong. Um, and so we've, you know, we've seen them on both sides. We've also seen the other side where, you know, the, the, the tailwinds coming against them are, you know, are, are going to make it impossible and their business unit economics won't make it easy for them to survive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. I think we, we've come much more to a kind of an operational excellence, uh, survival mode for a lot of companies. And because if you're not, you're, you're, you're not going to be around for, for very long because we, we ourselves have seen it where some of the companies have been customers of ours have just left the industry. Like there are multiple industries and they're just pulling back. Yep. Uh, um, there was a, you know, payment firm that just, uh, you know, stepped out They're They're, they're working with a different bank who doesn't want to be in cannabis and they're a giant company. Cannabis wasn't a big piece of their business too volatile right now. They're just, they're just out. So uh, yeah, I think uh, as you said before, the, the people who are standing at the end of this uh, time are, 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 are going to be uh, hopefully in, in, in good stead. So um, two last questions. One, following up on that one, has the industry hit bottom yet or do we still have, uh, are we in the valley? We just don't know, you know, how long we have to go before we come up on the other side. Um, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think the industry is hit. I don't think there's ever going to be a bottom. Right. I, I, I think because the industry is so fragmented that certain markets might have hit the bottom. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how we should look at it is Illinois is great. I love Illinois. It's been awesome to watch it grow. And it's been awesome for some of the West Coast brands to actually come into Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but prices will come down. They'll come down slower. Um, and, you know, everyone will be, you know, kind of working together. Um, but in 10 years, Illinois prices will look probably not as low as California, but more there. So I think it's more stages of markets. I think some of the markets will have to kind of blow up before they're reset, right? Or some of the legacy providers won't be able to make it, or you'll see some of them get acquired. But I think, you know, we're at, we as an industry are really, you know, being smart about it. People are talking about it. People are making changes. You know, if this was another industry and we see it all the time, I don't think we could make changes um, this, this fast, or I don't think they can make changes this fast. And if you think about, you know, some legislation will help this industry out, right? Maybe it's in six months, maybe it's in two or three years, but if we can get past this, right? And the consolidation and people leave the industry, like you mentioned, it's only going to, you know, feed the the folks who are still here. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, that's very true. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what this is like, because it's happened in lots of other industries before. And we're just going through what, you know, some of us have experienced ourselves in other industries. Yep. Uh, you know, I was around when the dot-com bust happened and, you know, it was messy. And if you could hang in there, that was good. And then you came out the other side and you're typically much better off because, you know, it forced you to focus as a business. And if you didn't focus, you weren't going to be one of the ones standing at the end. And obviously, 
you know, you have done that. And uh, so far cannabis media has as well. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be there as uh, you know, we, we, we plow through this. So any other trends, Michael, you're looking at or things that we should be uh, you know, keeping our ear out for uh, in the industry or, or even with uh, leaf trade and Swede. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think the, the message to take away from this podcast is while there's this gray cloud, you know, we all see it, we all read it. Even folks who uh, aren't in the cannabis industry, when they start asking you about it, you know, then you know there's there's some gray clouds. But under those gray clouds, I think there's more positive change as far as process and people than people realize. Um, and I, so I think not even the turnaround, but the upswing, like you mentioned, that kind of, you know, maybe maybe falsely happened or happened too fast in 2020 because of COVID. I think it's going to start happening the right way. Um, mm. And I think we'll be better for it. I also, you know, have been really encouraged um, with a lot of the West Coast brands where we kind of thought we were setting up for, you know, a lot of the large multi-state operators kind of shutting those brands out, going full vertical um, and just sticking with their products. And we, while some of them have gone more vertical and of course, we're seeing uh, the inclusion of some of these, you know, legacy, really dominant brands on the West Coast start coming, you know, into the Midwest and the East Coast right. the right way um, with, you know, the, the partnership of, of some of the MSOs, which at the end of the day, if the stores are great and the products are great, the consumer will have a good experience. They'll spend more. They'll come more. We'll all win. Um, and I think that's got to be the focus. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Michael, as always, a very thoughtful uh, time spent with you. Uh, I learned a lot as I'm, as I'm sure our, our listeners did. So once again, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed it and uh, I'll see you in 10 months. Do yeah, it again. Exactly. Well, uh, Benzing is out in Chicago, so I'm going to be there. So um, I'm hopeful that you'll be there as well. Yep. I'll be there. Excellent. Excellent. So thanks for joining us on today's podcast. I'm your host, Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.